total agency over your hormonal destiny. You just have to learn how everything works and then you have to start supporting it with your diet and your lifestyle and everything starts to get in the flow, as I like to say, as opposed to staying in this sort of constant state of hormonal chaos where you have symptoms and problems and pain and misery, you know, weeks out of the month. It's just not right. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hey, how are you? Welcome to another episode of High Performance Health. I am in a very upbeat and excited mood today, and that is because I'm going to be sharing with you how you can take control of your female physiology so that you can feel on top form every single day. Yes, you heard that right. On top form every single day. My guest today is the super inspiring Elisa Vitti, who is the best-selling author of Woman Code and In the Flow. And at Flow Living, she has developed a program that is based on women's biological rhythms for optimal health, fitness, and productivity. Elisa believes that we, like me, she believes we are meant to feel great every day. Yes, every day. We're not supposed to put up with cramps and bloating and PMS and heavy bleeding and all of these things that traditionally we as women have been taught to believe that we just kind of need to suffer through. And I think we've been suffering unnecessarily for too long. And these symptoms are certainly things that I regularly see in the clients that I work with. And I actually show them how to put these things right. And when you understand how to do this, It is so powerful because you can actually enhance your creativity, enhance your productivity, enhance the results that you're getting from your workouts and use your nutrition around your menstrual cycle to really, really upgrade your energy pathways, your detoxification pathways so that you feel and look amazing. And that is just such an exciting thing um, to share with you today. And I think that if we could just change the way that we see our female biology from looking at our menstrual cycle as something that is a pain that happens to looking at it as being This is actually a gift. Every single month when we understand how to use this, it is feedback to us about how healthy we truly are and how we're doing. So it's absolutely amazing. You're going to learn about the four phases of the cycle and really what happens in each phase and how you can align your nutrition, your fitness, and even your work around your menstrual cycle for the best results in every single area. So without further delay, let me now introduce you to the wonderful Elisa Vitti. So I am so excited to be joined today by Elisa Vitti. She is a pioneer of female biohacking, one of my favorite areas of health, a women's hormone and functional nutrition expert. She is the best-selling author of both Woman Code and In the Flow, both of which I've read and are amazing books. Um, and In the Flow is the first book ever to describe the infradian rhythm and its importance for women's health. She's the creator of the Cycle Syncing Method, a diet, fitness, and lifestyle program that is based on women's biological rhythms for optimal health, fitness, and productivity. She is the femtech founder of flowliving.com and has built the world's first menstrual healthcare platform that helps women around the world put their period issues into remission naturally using her highly effective flow protocol and supplements. 
Elisa is also the creator of the MyFlow Period app, the first and only functional medicine period tracker designed to help users eliminate symptoms and optimize their diet, fitness, and time management according to their cycle. It is consistently ranked in the top 10 of paid apps in the health and fitness category on iTunes. A graduate of John Hopkins University and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, Elisa has been featured in the New York Times, Dr. Oz, Vogue, Forbes, and keynoted as at SXSW, TEDx, and Google. Wow, what an accolade. It's just amazing to have you here, Elisa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here connecting with the UK community of women. I love it. Yeah, I'm just so excited to dive in. So let's, why don't we kick off by explaining, because some women are not even really fully educated on how their menstrual cycle works. And you make that point in the book, because we're not really taught this properly, are we? And I'm kind of looking at my nine-year-old daughter coming up and and just thinking, wow, I just want to educate her so totally differently than I was. And I know that you actually, we were always taught to put the menstrual phase at the beginning, but you start and that's sort of the end, which makes perfect sense and start with a follicular phase. So let's start there. Should we just explain what's really meant to happen? Because it doesn't look normal for a lot of women, does it? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing to know about your cycle is that it's first and foremost, you're, you're meant to feel great every day. (laughs) And I like to lead with that because that's typically shocking enough as it is, because we're taught that, you know, we're supposed to have suffering and cramps and PMS and bloating and problems. And that's just normal. It's part of being a woman and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, But that's not true. The cycle is this elegantly complex uh, but very sophisticated process that your body um, performs for you every month such that you can ovulate, build an entire organ from scratch. Talk about 3D printing at its best, right? You build this endometrial organ tissue, right? The substrate of life, if you will, if you, if you do conceive every month. And if you don't need it, you discard it in the bleeding phase and you start fresh every month. It's pretty remarkable. In order to facilitate all these physical uh, happenings, it uses the chemical language of hormones and specific concentrations and ratios of these hormones to make all of those things real, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there are four distinct phases of the cycle, the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal, and the menstrual or bleeding phase. And each of these phases is characterized by a different physical thing that's trying to take place that is driven by a specific set of hormonal ratios, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, et cetera. And why you're supposed to feel fantastic every phase of the cycle, and I know that you don't, but we'll get to that, (laughs) is that these hormonal ratios are, there is an optimal balance for them to be at. And when they're in their optimal balance place, you have no symptoms, no PMS, no cramps, no heavy bleeding, no nothing. You just have a healthy, vibrant cycle and all the hormonal benefits that come with those hormones being balanced. So I think it's important to just start there so that we understand like what what our new normal should look like, because we've really... um, unfortunately, have been the recipients of, you know, centuries old um, 
scientifically inaccurate mythology about our hormones as women, that they're complicated and, you know, the great mysterium can never be understood and uh, that, that it's, you know, biblical in scope. Uh, your suffering is your destiny if you're a female. And that, you know, more recently, once you have a diagnosed condition like PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis, that there's really nothing that you can do. You just have to suffer through it and make the best of it, chin up and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And this is just unacceptable. And also, most importantly, it's not scientifically accurate because there's all this other research that I've been bringing forward that really shows us that, in fact, you have total agency over your hormonal destiny. You just have to learn how everything works, and then you have to start supporting it with your diet and your lifestyle, and everything starts to get in the flow, as I like to say, as opposed to staying in this sort of constant state of hormonal chaos where you have symptoms and problems and pain and misery, you know, weeks out of the month. It's just not right. Which so many women accept and they don't often even realize. So I know from my own experience, for example, that, you know, I, um, as a teenager was obviously having problems, but without knowing that that wasn't normal, I just knew that I didn't have periods every month. Why didn't they show up? Then they were pretty bad when they did show up until I was then diagnosed eventually with PCOS and endometriosis. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't until I had extensive surgery that I then realized what a normal period was meant to look like because I just thought the whole clotting, horrible experience was normal until I was like, oh, this is like, it's really clean, it's really different. Um, but I think, let's track back because I think so many women like me as a, as a young teenage girl was just told by the GP, well, let's put you on the pill. That was the solution. Yeah, your period problems will now go away and no help was given at all. Right. It wasn't until I was practicing as a lawyer at the time when I was diagnosed with PCOS that I suddenly realized, and they prescribed me metformin, for instance, and resistance, I realized actually there's a link between what I'm doing nutritionally and what's happening here. And so I did my own research, you know, didn't take the metformin, didn't agree with me, and actually managed to control my blood sugar. But even that in itself is something that I share with people because, you know, that we have a very strong family history of type 2 diabetes. I could have gone on that trajectory had I not taken control. And I just wish, I love what you're doing because I wish there was more education around this. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think it should be a more standard part of conventional medical care with gynecology where, you know, if you go in and you present with PCOS, there should be an immediate conversation about your diet because the links around insulin resistance and PCOS are long well established. So to not have that conversation is really leaves women in a really, you know, unsupported place. But also... Let's track back to your teenage years where you were starting to have issues very early on, right? Mm -hmm. And you have this family history of type 2 diabetes, right? And you were likely eating in a way as a child that mimicked what the adults were doing that were creating the type 2 diabetes for the adults, right? Because that is a dietary caused issue, right? Not like type 1, <clears throat> but type 2 is 100%, you know, dietary in terms of its 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 foundations. So you were likely eating things that were processed, high in sugar, you know, refined carbohydrates. And all the while, prepubescently, this was priming your pubescent journey in a negative way. So that by the time you hit puberty, your period was already being created out of, you know, suboptimal building blocks. And so therefore it was more problematic. And so any, any mom who's listening, who has a preteen or teen daughter, if they're having a hormonal crisis at an early age, 
right? This is a huge red flag that something from their, you know, from like birth to, to 10 diet wise has not been working for their metabolism. And although that's some bad news to hear, the good news is you're their mom and you can change what you're feeding them and they can start to really get much, much better. You don't have to rush down the rabbit hole of putting them on medication if you don't want to, because especially because they're so young, their hormones will recover so quickly and respond so quickly to you know dietary interventions um, before it snowballs into second and third things, right? PCOS can also all, all oftentimes turn into or develop ancillary diagnoses like fibroids or endometriosis because the root causes of these things have a lot to do with excess estrogen in the body, which can come from dietary factors, environmental chemical factors, et cetera. So if you've got one, you could develop another. So especially if your daughter is young and having a diagnosis early on, you want to take dramatic steps to modify what she's being exposed to dietarily and chemically speaking so that she can get her hormones back on track and really, you know, safeguard her adult, you know, hormonal years, her fertility, her, all of that. Isn't that powerful? And safeguard her fertility, right? Because that was the first thing, you know, and that's so upsetting, isn't it, for so many women that have things like PCOS and endometriosis and was the case for me is being told, well, actually, do you know what? Maybe you'll never be able to have kids. I feel blessed to have three. Um, but, you know, it isn't the same for everyone. And that is amazing to think, actually, you could catch this as a mom because I look at my own, you know, nine-year-old coming up and thinking, how will I educate her differently than I was educated? Um, and how can we structure her nutrition plan? So let's talk about that because you go into a lot about this in the book and it's super interesting the way you approach nutrition. Um, I, I always think I was having my mind because I interviewed Dr. Stacey Sims. Um, you know, she did that wonderful TEDx talk where women are not small men. And I think we're not. And we try to live in a society. And I know that you, there's kind of been dictated to by men's rhythms, really, which are more on a 24 hour. And I know you run your company based around this infradial rhythm, which I want to get to in a moment. But starting with nutrition, can we talk about how mums listening, but also just women themselves can support themselves through that 28 day cycle? So the first thing to know is that women from their first period to their last are really governed by this biological rhythm that we've never heard about before. In fact, In the Flow, my book is the first book to talk about this, as you mentioned when you were introducing me. And this is really significant because this infradian rhythm changes everything, right? <clears throat> Just as the understanding of the circadian rhythm really changed the way we thought about our, our health and our self-care, the infradian rhythm is that, uh, you know, shifting of sort of our perspective, but for the female point of view only, because it's only women in their reproductive years who have this active. And so what you need to know is that it governs six key systems of your body, your brain, your metabolism, your stress response system, your immune system, your microbiome, and your reproductive system, which is, you know, includes your cycle, your fertility, and your sex drive, right? So if you've been plagued your whole life with thinking, okay, you've got brain fog, you've got to take a brain supplement, you've got weight issues, you've got to do a diet, you've got period problems, you've got to take medication for that. 
that's no longer, once you understand that it's all connected through the infradian rhythm, that's a, no longer an adequate approach to treating your, your situation because everything is being um, affected negatively by the degree to which you are disrupting your infradian rhythm. And you are disrupting it constantly because you've never been told that it exists and you've never been told how to take care of it. And the reason why it has been left out of the conversation is because women are actively left out of medical fitness and nutrition research. You should be aware that of all the studies that have been done in modern scientific history, only 4% include females as oh, subjects. That low. Yeah, I knew it was like, because they're hard to study, aren't they, women? That's the thing. No, they are not hard to not study. Hard to study. <laughs> not at all. It is just institutionalized gender bias that ah, has just, okay. you know, because think about it. Who was driving? Who were the only people running labs a hundred years ago? Yeah, right. It's just it's just a perspective problem. They didn't think that it was relevant. <laughs> and now that we know better, actually, in 1996, the National Institute of Health here in the United States, knowing that this is a huge detrimental problem in the medical side of things, put a like an uh, you know a, a call to the medical community to include actively to go out of your way to include more female subjects in human clinical trials. Uh, unfortunately, the 10 year status report on that is that progress has been slim to none. So it's really just bad habits and gender bias, you know, playing a factor here. And we've got to expect and demand better out of our research. But the thing that's important for you to know is that anything you've ever seen as a wellness trend, intermittent fasting, keto, high intensity interval training workouts, this diet, that program, whatever, all of it has been uh, generated out of research that's exclusively been done on men that has been proven to optimize their male ecosystem, which is why it never works for women, can exacerbate their reproductive health issues and symptoms, and why you go from one program to another, to another, to another, searching for the holy grail of the thing that's gonna make you finally feel good, and you'll never achieve it unless the program is, is based on your female ecosystem, which is why knowing about the infrading rhythm is so game-changing. So I didn't wanna just in the new book paint a picture around this problem. I then wanted to create a method by which we could support the infrading rhythm. And that is called the cycle syncing method, which has three pillars. Uh, food, we have to change what we're eating based on where we are in the cycle to support the infradian rhythm. Our fitness, we have to change the intensity of our workout based on where we are in the cycle. I'm going to break this down in a minute. And I call it time management, but it's really project management. And I'll break that down too, based on what's happening with our brain changes. And this is a methodology, by the way, that men use to synchronize with their hormonal cycle, which follows a circadian pattern, a 24-hour pattern. They organize workout intensity and timing, caloric intake and timing, and what, what they're working on when, based on where they are in their 24-hour pattern. And it optimizes their health and their productivity, right? So it's a really, it's a well-trodden method. The problem is there just hasn't been one that's created around the female ecosystem until now, which is the cycle syncing method. So 
yours won't look like a 24 hour pattern. It's going to look like a, a, a month long pattern to roughly accommodate the infradian rhythm as we experience it over the course of our cycle and its four phases. And, you know, it's really exciting because finally you can start to feel like you're supposed to, <laughs> which is fantastic <laughs> every day, which is why I always lead with that because that's truly how you're designed to feel by, you know, from a, from nature's point of view. So, like I said earlier, we have these four phases of the cycle, follicular, ovulatory, luteal, and menstrual. Let's just look at the food piece. Let's just, let's just have some mind explosion around that, okay? So how many of you have heard the typical advice, which is that you've got to commit to the same caloric intake every day if you want to win the weight gain? Yes? That's Raise it. your virtual hand. I know that you've heard that. That is like the conventional thinking out there. You've got to stick to your... 1200 or 1400 or whatever calorie intake per day, right? And doing that every day will ensure stable weight. Now, I'm someone who used to be obese due to my polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I used to be over 200 pounds. I don't know what that translates to in stones, but you know, very, very heavy. I'm only five foot six. Um, 90 kilos, I think, isn't it? It was a, it was a lot. I felt terrible. <laughs> it was a hard thing to walk around with. I've been able to maintain a 60 pound weight loss for two decades by dialing in my caloric intake according to my infradian rhythm and my workouts according to my infradian rhythm. So I'm so excited to share this, especially with those of you who struggle with weight because it is not supposed to be a fight. It's supposed to be a flow. And here's what it works, right? So your metabolism changes throughout the cycle. In the first half, in the follicular and ovulatory phases, your metabolism is slightly lower. So you can and should eat fewer calories, right? This will optimize um, glucose, this levels, this will optimize insulin levels. This will also optimize the way your body is using stored fat for fuel, right? So really, really good thing. And this will be a comforting kind of more familiar place for you because we're so accustomed to feeling like we should restrict calories to, to keep our weight where we want it to be, quote unquote, under control, um, which I always joke about because there's no way to control what's happening in your body. There's only, you can only partner with it. So anyway, <laughs> that being said, so true. <laughs> once you cross over ovulation and you're now in the second half of your cycle in the luteal phase, your metabolism speeds up. You actually studies show you need 279 more calories per day. If you don't eat 279 more calories per day, you will start to, to, instead of using stored fat as fuel, you will start to store more fuel as fat. Okay, this is it. But this, so this is kind of an average, is it, for the average woman is about 279 calories, which is quite a lot of calories because most women would worry about packing on another 300, wouldn't they, if they're counting them? Um, That's right. But no, this is, this, is, this is just any woman who has a, a, an actively working cycle, mm -hmm. you need about 279 more calories, right? And this is important because it's about keeping your blood sugar stable. Yeah. If your blood sugar levels are not stable, like I said, you're going to start to go into fat storage mode. That's where the fat gain comes from, is from the calorie deprivation, not from eating the appropriate amount of calories. And it's just because we have been completely assuming that we are uh, the same metabolically as men and therefore should eat the same caloric level every day. 
that we continue to store unnecessary fat and not lose the weight that we, we can, right? So you've got to change your caloric intake based on where you are in the cycle, period, full stop, all the puns intended. Then when you are thinking about it from the second pillar, which is the fitness pillar, let's look at that. Like the, the conventional thinking is do your high intensity workout every day. Try to do it around the same time, especially earlier in the day. That way you can be burning stored fat all day long, right? That's kind of the, the general advice. This works really well if you're a guy, <laughs> but if you're a female and you have this inflating effect on your stress response, right? Your resting cortisol levels are lower in the follicular and ovulatory phases, which makes it perfectly safe and wonderful for you to do high cardio, uh, intense cardio, or high intensity interval training. This, this coupled with your metabolism being lower and your restricted calories at this time, you're going to be burning fat like crazy for fuel and packing on the lean muscle, right? Super, super great from a biohacking point of view. Like this, this is what we want. Once you cross over ovulation and now you're in the luteal phase, resting cortisol levels increase. They're slightly higher. Studies show you must not do cardio and high intensity interval training. If you do, wait for it, you're going to turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. Yeah. So all the fat that you burned in the first half of your cycle and all the muscle that you may have put on in the first half of your cycle, doing your HIIT workouts and doing your cardio, you will undo, you will cancel. by Because cortisol is catabolic, isn't it? So if we raise cortisol too high, we're going to break it down. That's right. Because you want to ride on the wave of the anabolism you had in the early part of the month. And so you just want to do strength training without a cardio component. So you could do Pilates, you could do hold plank position for a few minutes, squat up against the wall, lift some heavy weights without a cardio component. You know, it, it has some cardio to it, but you're not jumping around doing jumping jacks in between uh, lifting some weights, right? That's more the hit style of things. Mm -hmm. So Doing this will build lean muscle and burn stored fat coupled with your increased intake of calories. And this is something that the women's US soccer team is using to train their female athletes to great success. Um, and it's really important that we understand that we must just completely forevermore abandon, walk away from, unconnect, disconnect, unplug from the, 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 the group think we've had for at least a century which is, you know, eat the same calories every day and try to restrict them and work out, you know, with high cardio intensity every day because you have to compensate for your slightly slower metabolism compared to that of males. So I often get asked, what supplements do I take on a regular basis? And how do I have such high energy every day? And so what I've done is I've put together a little list of my favorite supplements that I take, ranging from things like B vitamins and magnesium um, to collagen and even some that are more geared to hormonal health. And also those supplements I take for longevity alongside some of my favorite books in health that I've read. And you can now go and access 
the list of all of those by going to bit.ly forward slash Angela recommends. I even have in there a little hangover limitation set of supplements that you can use for when you do kind of occasionally maybe go off the rails. Um, Not that we should be doing that very often at all, but I have my top supplements for longevity and hormonal health. Um, You can see in there what I like to take. Obviously, I cannot prescribe anything over this podcast, but I can share with you some of the things that have worked for me and you can go and check out that list. It's over at bit.ly forward slash Angela recommends. Now let's get back to the show. This is hard for for teenage girls growing up because when they're doing sports at school, nobody's taking account of this. So basically they get pushed, you know, like two of my kids are swimmers. One one of them's a boy, the other girl, two out of the three. And, and, you know, it's a completely different scenario for him compared to my daughter once she hits that phase. And I just feel so empowered by this knowledge that you've shared. Yeah, I mean, I think moms could really drive a lot of change at the school level Mm -hmm. to just demand, like, because it's so clear, right? You see your son, (laughs) he can sustain the same routine daily because his hormonal pattern follows that 24-hour circadian pattern. So it's actually very advantageous and he gets better results from his daily training with sport um, to build lean muscle, to become a better athlete, all of these things. We're damaging the female athlete by putting her on a male training schedule. We should not be doing that. We know better now. The science is in, the research is in. We must demand that we start changing our practices to really incorporate this for young women. And and listen, sometimes, you know, games happen, meets happen, you have to show up whenever things are happening, right? That's fine, but we then need to learn what can we do to, if she's in her menstrual phase and she's gonna have some recovery issues, what do we do to help her recover better? What do we feed her beforehand so that she can perform at her best? Um, but the training schedule should really be, you know, especially when it's not an actual match or a meet, her training schedule should be customized based on her cycle phases with her coach at school. Uh, not a difficult thing to do. And in terms of that recovery, because also for women that, you know, are still kind of practicing athletes as well, even if that's sort of on an amateur level, when they've got to show up for things, how can they improve their recovery if it's falling at the wrong time of the month? What would you encourage them to do then um, to support themselves? Extra electrolytes for sure. Um, Making sure you're eating the right amount of calories per cycle phase, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then lots of rest after, right? Don't then go and do other events or try not to stack your events or, you know, don't have other social events afterwards, like rest, you know, uh, and do any sort of like ice therapy for your muscle recovery, like things that are just going to really help expedite the process. Um, You know, and I think that there's just so much to be unpacked here, more research, more, um, particular dialed in protocols around for professional athletes. We're just at the beginning of understanding the implications of the, I mean, think about it. We've been studying the circadian rhythm and, and we've been studying male performance for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? To try to optimize their caloric intake. You know, a lot of this was driven by military research, right? So everything has really been geared to like, how do we have a really fit, young man. Mm. 
we've just applied that to women, but it's not working. And we know that it's not working because 80% of women at some point in their life will have a hormonal crisis. And this is not in the same galaxy of a statistic for the male cohort. 80%. 80% at some point will have a hormonal problem. If men were having this volume of a problem amongst that cohort of that gender, it would be grounds for national research and inquiry and funding. But we're just sort of like, you know, sort of stuck here in this general malaise that we accept. But the, it, it, it really needs to change and evolve, especially because the science is here and we need to do more research, have more funding and get way more dialed in so that we have decades and decades and soon hundreds of years of research, right, to look forward to of really how, what optimizes the female ecosystem from a fitness point of view, a training and recovery point of view. You know, it's very, very exciting. I mean, uh, certainly we have all the foundational pieces now, but I think the, the, there's so much opportunity to do even more research and, and, and develop new strategies and things to help women in, in various ways, not just uh, in the wellness conversation, but also in the medical setting as well. Yes, yeah, so, so important. And so for ladies listening to this, it is not the time. I see so many people when they're struggling with like maybe they've got a bit of weight loss resistance they've got so far they can't kind of get to the end or they're kind of you know finding that post um, baby or you know going into perimenopause it's so common isn't it that we naturally just follow that kind of man's pattern and go right well I'm just going to go and crush a really hard workout and now I'm going to layer in I'm going to get out of bed at 5 a.m I'm going to go and do a hit workout or I'm going to go for a run first then I'm going to do some hit later they put multiple classes on and I always say to my clients and and people on my programs you need to dial it back you need to like just give yourself a break because this is the time of the month actually there needs to be more rest and you're not letting well, not just the time work. of the month by the time you're in hormonal collapse like mm-hmm. that, right? Meaning you are having some, many symptoms that are indicative of hormones not functioning at their optimal levels. The worst thing you could do is to like put yourself on a, a strict diet, uh, an intense workout program, a detox, a cleanse, a fasting, um, because what happens or what what has had to have happened in order for you to have this hormonal breakdown is a lot of micronutrient depletion, mm-hmm. right? So let's think about postpartum. It's a great a great thing, but also perimenopause. Postpartum, you've just no big deal. Three D printed a tiny human being out of out of your body, <laughs> out of the out of your cells, out of your the food you've been transforming in your digestive system. You have made this person, right? No big, no big deal. And then you have the labor and the delivery, which is like the equivalent of climbing several Mount Kilimanjaro's in a row. And then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you're breastfeeding if you're breastfeeding. And even if you're not breastfeeding, you're up in the middle of the night constantly with the the feeding. And then there's like an ongoing thing and you forget to take care of yourself. And all of these things deplete your micronutrient reserves. 
the making of the baby, the making of the breast milk, the not getting enough sleep, the forgetting to take your prenatals for six months after you give birth, et cetera, et cetera. The drinking caffeine to compensate for your fatigue, flushing out your micronutrients, the stress from trying to juggle going back to work. You know, just talking about it, you can feel the stress, right? And all that stress is very micronutrient depleting and has negative impact on your hormones overall and your endocrine system. And then you're like, gee, why can't I lose weight? Well, the weight is actually there to try to protect you from all this micronutrient depletion because you have no reserves to make energy. And so fat is your friend in this situation. So if you want to lose the fat, don't deplete yourself more. Replenish, replenish. We so we get it so wrong postpartum. When I was postpartum, you know, you want to eat, and this is in the chart in chapter four of In the Flow has this, the magical food chart that tells you which foods to eat during which phase. Postpartum, you really want to pretend or imagine as if you are in an extended menstrual phase and you want to eat to really replenish what has just happened with you. You just, you know, you're pregnant for nine months. You just had labor and delivery. You want to replenish your body. So feed yourself like a professional athlete with good sources of amino acids, good sources of quality fats, good sources of carbohydrates. This is not the time to start restricting calories. Eat warming foods, soothing foods, bone broths, things that are going to help rebuild the micronutrient reserve in your system. If you do that properly for three months, you then set yourself up for optimal hormonal balance postpartum. And you can lose weight without trying, and you can have healthy, balanced moods without worrying, and you can get right back to life. But if you don't dial in that support at the right time and you further entrench that micronutrient depletion, you will have something called postnatal depletion that can last and linger for years and affect the quality of your reproductive health, your mental health, your sexual health, and then how you age hormonally can really follow you all the way through perimenopause and menopause and beyond. Um, so it's that's a really a, a place where we have a huge... Um, crisis of a lack of support of what we need to be doing post postpartum perimenopause too starts at 35 for every woman let me just say that again starts at 35 <laughs> perimenopause perimenopause is reverse puberty right so puberty if you, you're watching your teen daughters it kind of starts around nine the pituitary gland wakes up Nothing's happening physically, but physiologically, a lot is going on slowly, slowly, right? So there's not this very traumatic event on the body, right? It takes from nine to 22 for puberty to complete the process, okay? The brain does not finish developing until the age of 22. The body does not finish developing either. It's a whole slow hormonal journey so that it's not like one big hot flash explosion, <laughs> You know, for a teenage girl with like all of a sudden high levels of estrogen and a cycle and it would be too much, right? Similarly, perimenopause is the unwinding of that clock, of the infradian clock, um, to the point where you go back to, after your last bleed, a circadian only biological pattern in which you then can, once you're postmenopausal, you can do the same kind of workouts as the guys are doing. You can do all the intermittent fasting and get all the benefits but you have to be postmenopausal for that. Perimenopause is a slow process, begins at 35. But by the time most women have reached 35, 
they've had a few children potentially, or they're having their children, all this micronutrient depletion, they're at the height of their careers, lots of life stress, they're socializing, drinking wine, having caffeine, depleting micronutrients like crazy. And then you start hitting perimenopause and it becomes a crisis. And women are prematurely hormonally aging left and right now, okay? The yeah. average age of your last bleed is typically supposed to be somewhere around 51. But we're seeing more and more women enter their postmenopausal years in their mid to late 40s now. And why? Well, you cannot make hormones if you don't have enough micronutrients and amino acids and essential fatty acids in your body. You just can't. And you will shut, you will accelerate the process of aging which is partly a hormonal uh, depletion conversation, um, you'll accelerate that just by virtue of not getting your diet and lifestyle right. That's the bad news. The good news is if you start cycle syncing today, wherever you are, if you start using the cycle syncing method, you can slow that process down because you're gonna be really keeping your micronutrient levels where they need to be. You're gonna be able to manufacture hormones, keep them stable and slow down the aging process. In fact, two years ago in the New York Times, they published a the results of a study that showed just by changing two things in your diet twice a week, so two servings of legumes and two servings of uh, fatty fish like salmon twice a week, you can delay the last bleed by up to two years. Wow, that's powerful. And, and why would you wanna do that? Here's why. <laughs> Every ovulation, is an important moment. Every ovulation is an opportunity for your body to protect your brain, your heart, and your bones today, and to put that benefit in the bank, so to speak, for when you are no longer cycling in your postmenopausal years. So if you wanna think about, gee, how do I pr protect my brain, my heart, and my bones when I'm an older woman? You want to make sure you're protecting your ovulation during your reproductive years and taking care of your cycle as a whole. And the cycle syncing method is the best way to do that that we have. Now, that's interesting because obviously a lot of women take, and I think there's a huge number, such a high, at least 60% of people that are women that are prescribed birth control are not taking it for birth control. They are just prescribed it because of the reasons we've been talking about right there. They have endometriosis, PCOS, adenomyosis, something along right. those lines. So they're not putting these deposits in the bank because now they're not ovulating. They're just having withdrawal bleeds. Correct. So, and most women don't know that. Most no. women, th they think that when they're on the pill that they're still having a period. Right. But you are not. Let us be super, super crystal clear. You shut off the yeah. conversation between your brain and your ovaries. You do not ovulate. You do not menstruate. Most of the time, the, men the little breakthrough bleeding that you will have will stop altogether. And um, you have shut off your infradian rhythm. So you're not getting any of the benefits of that. So you're kind of in this weird no-phase place metabolically, which is why it's very difficult to lose weight or maintain a healthy weight. It totally changes who you are on a brain level. Uh, Dr. Lori Hill published a really important read for anyone who's on birth control called Your Brain on Birth Control. It is shocking that you are not even the you that you are when you're on that medication. So you wanna sort of learn about that. And of course it has all these negative consequences. Short term, it's depleting you a lot of micronutrients as you're taking it. Um, and then it, it really robs you of your future brain, bone, and heart 
um, you know, well-being because you're not ovulating for two decades, right? Mm. And we just need more, more conversation before we make these decisions because it's not even a cure for what if you're if you've gone on the pill, which I'm a huge fan of. If you if you, women should have access to whatever contraception they want, if you've gone on it just to prevent pregnancy, fine. If you have if you have no hormonal issues, which really is only about 10% of the population, but if that's you, then great. <laughs> but if you're like the 80% of women who have hormonal issues, right, and you're being prescribed that medication to quote unquote fix your PCOS or fix your endometriosis or fix your fibroids, it doesn't fix them. It's not a cure. It it's just symptom suppression and it prolongs this sort of period of time in which you're not doing anything about it, which then further entrenches the problem pattern in the body and makes it more difficult to treat when you come off because now you've increased the micronutrient depletion and you've had more time go by where you've not taken the appropriate steps. So the first thing you want to do is think about what can I do with diet and lifestyle to, to help my endocrine system and my hormones? And then you can reevaluate. It's like cooking. You know, you can always add more salt to the soup later. You can always add in the medication later if you're really struggling, but you, it's hard to take it out once you've put it in the soup. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can totally vouch for that because as you, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was prescribed the pill as a teenager and yet there I was having surgery for endometriosis and PCOS within six months of coming off it. And those, you know, I had to have ovarian drilling. It was so extreme and loads cut out. So there's no way that the pill solved that. It was all going on, as you say. Um, So for women listening, they may be thinking if they're taking the birth control, what can I do? Because um, coming off it straight away can just cause... Don't do that. Yes, don't do that. how How can they... in their mind, what period of time should, be they, should they be looking at to come off and how can they begin to transition? Can they be cycle syncing as they're on the birth control pill to try and smooth that transition or what should they be doing, Elisa? First thing first is you want to talk to your primary care physician, your gynecologist, and you want to say with conviction, this is what you want to do. Mm. Okay. And they're going to very likely try to say, well, you shouldn't. And you, you're going to just say, this is just what I want to do. You know, will you support me? Right. Cause be prepared that that's not something that they're accustomed to hearing and that's okay. And, and they'll say, okay, yes. And say, great. I just, I just want to take some time. I want to take about three months while still on this medication to take some supplements, right? Because we know which micronutrients are depleted. These have all been researched. So there's a specific set of supplements that you want to take. And by the way, these are all in the balance supplement formulations on the Flow Living website, so you can look up which ones they are. And then you want to do that for about three months. Okay. And then you're going to work with your doctor to go off of the medication and be monitored, right? Because this is, this is serious stuff. You, you're taking synthetic hormones, okay? Hormones are essential for your body to function. So you want to make sure that you can go in that first month when you come off and just have some blood work done, make sure everything's okay. It's really important to be monitored. This is not like, you know, taking ibuprofen and then not taking ibuprofen. This is serious medication. Okay. And then if you're doing well, right, you want to kind of continue with the supplements. And as soon as you get your cycle back, which depending on what your pre-existing condition is. It could be right away. It could be months. 
as soon as you get your cycle back, that's when you would start applying the cycle syncing method because you'll know which phase you're in. Until then, I would simply have you eat a very micronutrient replenishing diet, right? So something that's very rich in amino acids, which are the building blocks of hormones and essential fatty acids, which are required for their stable communication. So you just really want to, again, almost like your postpartum, you want to just eat to recover from this potential decade or more that you've been on this very serious medication, recover, supplement, replenish. You'll get your cycle back faster. Then you can start cycle thinking and really be in maintenance with that, with your cycle for, for the rest of the time you have your cycle. If you have rebound symptoms of acne or other things that you had been diagnosed with that got you to be on this medication in the first place, you may need to do a little extra triage, which is all the protocol that's detailed in my first book, Woman Code, which will help you kind of navigate all of that uh, a little bit more specifically. So the point of it all is you can take control of your hormones. It's just a process and it's going to take some time. I mean, especially the longer you've been on the medication, you should expect it will take, you know, a, a little bit longer to recover. So don't expect instant anything. Um, and I think that will help just set you up for success because you're going to be much more patient. You're going to be much more committed to the process and understand that it's a process that improves over time. And that's really sort of how I would have you think about it. In yeah. fact, you're all welcome to download for free. Um, if you go to the website, we have something called birth control rehab. It's a report that we have for women to just help them, uh, you know, really understand all these steps that I just kind of verbally went through in great detail. What are the micronutrients you need to take? And we can include the specific link in the show notes for people. Yeah, I'll like. do that. Yeah. We'll do that, um, Elisa, definitely, because I think there'll be a lot of people listening that really genuinely want to make that transition. Talking about the acne there, obviously, this is a common thing as well in perimenopause and women get cystic acne. It's it's really, it's upsetting, isn't it? Because it affects their self-confidence. It's hard to get rid of. It's not like the occasional teenage spot that you can kind of just pop out. Cystic acne actually is, is something that's really hard and it's tough on them. Um, what have you found there? Because often androgens are a bit higher. Have you got anything that you can recommend there that can really help with that side of things? Well, I'm someone, and I'll lean in closer, who had cystic acne all over my face, chest, and back. And yet you have beautiful glowing skin. So I have to, <laughs> to show my face, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I look at my skin not as a point of pride, but as a really important bio biomarker for me, right? To understand that my body is metabolizing things properly. My liver is functioning optimally. My micronutrient levels are where they need to be. So I don't look at it like, gee, great. I have clear skin. It's more, okay, my skin's letting me know other things are working. And those are the things that are I'm much more uh, invested in maintaining mm -hmm. because then I know my skin will perform optimally as a result, right? I, I, you, so I think we, first of all, we just get it wrong with our skincare. We focus on the external topical, you know, as somebody who suffered from with cystic acne for a decade before I figured it out, I certainly tried all the conventional stuff and none of it worked, not at all. Um, and it is very frustrating. And I remember I would spend like a half an hour every morning. I remember exactly what I would do. I used a pers at the time, I don't know if it's still around prescriptives makeup. And this is, you know, before I knew about chemicals in my makeup, I used prescriptives makeup and it was the under eye concealer. And that was the only thing that was thick enough and opaque enough 
that I would put that all over any spot that I had, which of course made me look really pale all the time. Uh, but it would take me about a half an hour just to cover my face. Wow. Okay. Every morning. Plus I was over 200 pounds. I did sit down and do this because standing up for half an hour was not an easy thing for me to do. So it was, I really, really get the struggle with acne. Um, and, and I get that it's frustrating. A lot of acne is driven by two straightforward things. Okay. Three, I'll put three just to, just to give you more options. Okay. It's driven by micronutrient depletion. Okay, if you don't have enough omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, magnesium, and zinc, for example, in your diet, just these are just a few, your skin can't perform the way that it's supposed to. Can't protect, it can maintain a healthy lipid barrier, the sebaceous glands can't function optimally, it cannot prevent inflammation and inflammatory response. I mean, your skin is an organ. It needs micronutrients as do all of our organs. So it doesn't need more moisturizer necessarily or zit cream. It needs micronutrients is what I mean about getting to the root causes. The second thing is that you need to make sure that you are supporting the metabolism or breakdown of your hormones, estrogen and androgens, right? so that you are not stimulating the spacious glands and the skin in a way that creates an adverse result. And then the third thing you need is fiber to flush everything out that your body has broken down so that it doesn't recirculate into the skin, which is the largest organ of elimination, right? One of four. We have the skin in descending order of magnitude, skin, lymphatic system, liver, and large intestine. So if you can support your large intestine with fiber, insoluble fiber, like two tablespoons of flax every day, and you support your liver with the right micronutrients, selenium, glutathione, vitamin C, B vitamins. Yes. Okay. Then you become an efficient detoxification machine so that the lymph and the skin do not become overburdened. Right before you even have acne, you're going to probably notice that you smell funny because your lymph is going to be secreting some of the to- toxic overload that your liver cannot manage if you're not where you need smell to be. Funny like, meaning what? Like, remember like funky sweat, like your sweat is going to start to smell funny to you. You're going to smell a little bit more musky <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> whatever word you want to use, more in more pungent. <laughs> right, the sauna is also good here to help, like infrared sauna to help detoxify? I mean, you know, I think that's a, I think it can be a great tool. Um, there, there is, there are certainly some topical things for cystic acne that you can use while you're recovering from the root causes of one of them that I like. Oh my goodness. I think it's a French name, Marie Rouleau. She has like a cystic acne, um, spot cream um, that is really natural and really does work on these deeper cysts. But, you know, it's, that's only going to get you so far, right? If you want to get rid of the cysts in the first place, you've got to do some of the things that we talked about. Women um, have, we've had pictures so many before and after photos of people's skin at every age and stage, whether it be teenage acne, adult acne, perimenopausal acne, women taking the balance supplements um, really, because you're replenishing all these micronutrients and there's a liver supportive formulation, there's five different formulas in this kit. Um, these, are the, these are the micronutrients that I've researched for two decades that your endocrine system must 
have every day in order to have a shot at functioning optimally. And so it's Are these just available in the UK. You can get them shipped to the UK, um, you know, and we're working on more direct means for that. But yes, you can you can make it happen and get them shipped to the UK. And I, I uh, just email if you're having any trouble, just email us at support at flowliving.com and we'll, we'll sort you out. And the androgens, because some women have higher androgens. This is another thing, actually, I remember being told by my gynecologist who was a man when I was in my 20s is, yeah, but, you know, you know, those androgens, they're what make you you. That's what makes you that successful go-getting lawyer. And it's like, that's hard to hear when you've got cystic acne and you're really struggling with that. Do you know what I mean? You're like, actually, that's not that helpful for me. Um, so he's obviously his thing was where well, you can just take the pill in and out of pregnancy when I was at that stage. But for me, like doing what you have and reading your books and working on myself has been the most transformational thing for my hormones. Yeah, your skin and looks that, fantastic. And that's, you know, speaking for someone who has all these, these issues and has encountered them, it's, just, it's, it's amazing. Um, but perimenopause is another thing, right? This is like another puberty. So this is hard. Can we touch on perimenopause? Because Yeah, perimenopause has like some distinct pieces. The first piece is where we have a lot of... Um, destabilization of estrogen patterns. So we, we typically when we think about menopause or perimenopause and we get the terminology wrong. Okay. So let me, let's first start with the terminology. You are perimenopausal until your last bleed. The mm -hmm. funny thing is you don't know when that last bleed is until 12 months later, you have to count 12 months. Then that last bleed, that one bleed is called menopause, mm -hmm. right? Your first bleed is called menarch or menarchy, right? That very first bleed. Then after that, you're just menstrual. <laughs> so you're perimenopausal until your last bleed, which is called menopause. And 12 months after that last bleed, you are then postmenopausal. So I just want to make sure we get the terms right, because just saying you're in menopause doesn't mean anything. It's incorrect self-referencing and it's disempowering. So perimenopause starts at 35. There's a couple of stages. The first stage, you know, 35 to let's say 42 to 44, okay? If you're taking care of yourself and you're, and you're using the cycle syncing method, you're not really gonna notice anything. You're gonna feel good. Your cycles are gonna be regular. All that's happening behind the scenes, slowly, so slowly and gently so that you don't feel any major disruption to your body, is that your pituitary gland slowly, slowly starts to make more and more follicular stimulating hormone. The higher the levels of FSH, uh, that as soon as they reach a certain threshold, it sort of shuts off ovulation, okay? Mm -hmm. Once that happens more consistently, then we kind of move into the second stage of perimenopause. So let's say 42 or 44 over, where we start to have this much bigger fluctuation with dysregulation of estrogen. So your estrogen go, go up and down and up and down and rapid fire, and it can be very disruptive, right? Mm -hmm. We can feel moody, we can feel fatigued, brain fog, hot flashes, night sweats, all of this, right? This I do think can be mitigated tremendously by preparing the body properly in that first phase, right? So you're taking lots of supplements, you're actually even taking amino acid supplements to really help your body make enough levels of hormones, right? So that you're not feeling this, this roller coaster as dramatically. 
Um, and th that whole second process is really to get you to your final down-regulated new levels of estrogen that are lower than your reproductive years that will be with you for the rest of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the process. And you want to support that with diet. You want to support that with exercise and you want to support that with supplements. So for example, uh, it's, while you're still in stage one perimenopause, cycle sync constantly, right? Do the cycle syncing method with your food, with your fitness, take the right supplements, okay? Once you start skipping periods, which would indicate that you're in that second stage, now you can do a little bit more because your infradian rhythm is unraveling. You can do a little bit more with calorie restriction, with a little bit more ketosis, right? To help your body change metabolically into a circadian only pattern. So you kind of want to, you really have to track your cycle, track your basal body temperature, kind of see where you're at. And in the phases where you're, you know, you know that your metabolism is slower, you want to do that intermittent fasting. You want to do a little bit more ketosis, do a lot of strength training. Um, and then when you're, you know, in a, when you're kind of in a cycle, you, you know, return to your cyclical pattern for self-care and just, it's a little bit of a dance for a few years with that. And a lot of herbs and adaptogens can be really helpful here. A lot of women like maca. Um, but I actually think amino acids are more powerful because it's that's the thing that your body needs to make hormones. And oftentimes as we get older, we feel more satisfied with less food, which is fine. Uh, but you still need lots and lots of good quality amino acids. So you could take a protein powder that has a complete amino acid profile. You could use hemp protein. Um, you could add in a second shake in the afternoon. Uh, you can do things like that to really help offset um, what's happening with you from a hormonal point of view. And then lots and lots of supplements. I think melatonin is an unsung hero of perimenopause because melatonin indirectly supports the pituitary gland, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, in fact, in, in the mid nineties, uh, the research that was coming out of the uh, Italian research on artificial reproductive technology um, and they were really pioneering that in the early 90s and the mid 90s. Um, there was one doctor who discovered that, you know, women who were postmenopausal could restore ovulation just from introducing, you know, a, a certain dose of melatonin into their bodies um, to really help the pituitary gland start to, to fire at the right uh, level. So it's really a powerful thing to help the body slow down. The, that hormonal aging and also help with any of the sleep irregularities that can take place during perimenopause. Um, I think melatonin is something we, we often think, oh, now I'm in the perimenopause or I need, I need hormones. I need synthetic hormones. I think we can do a lot more with really strategically dialing in functional supplements to help our bodies perform more optimally. And I, I think that that's a, a brand new area that needs a lot more research. Yeah, for sure. And presumably with that, it is, um, Oh, it's getting dark here, I can see. Um, presumably with melatonin, this is still sticking to very low dose, right? Because people often take huge doses. I mean, no, here, I mean, no, the, the, the research was really, it always was three milligrams, tiny, mm. tiny dose. Yeah, yeah. I think for here, here in the UK, you have to get it on prescription, actually, unless it's changed recently. Um, okay, let's talk a bit before you go about PMS, bloating, those kind of things women often get 
before their period, which are really frustrating because the cycle syncing method can also help with that. And um, can you just explain the reasons? Because I know quite a few women really do. It's, it's not something I struggle with, but I hear women, you know, really genuinely, they find this a real battle. And that, that's hard, isn't it? Because no one wants to feel irritable and just really bloated. Yeah, it's so first of all, let's understand that PMS is a phenomena of the luteal phase of the cycle wherein you have insufficient levels of progesterone compared to estrogen. That is the only reason that it happens. If you have the proper ratio of slightly more progesterone than estrogen, you will have no PMS symptoms. And I think that's really important to say because we have just all accepted that PMS is something that you should expect and anticipate, but it's really... um, an indicator, kind of like a, your, an elevated temperature would be an indicator that something's wrong and that you need to do something. Having PMS is an indicator that your hormones are out of balance. You need to take action immediately. You've got to get your progesterone levels up. And so, you know, any of those symptoms that you're having from mood swings to cravings, to fatigue, to bloating, to brain fog, to acne, to irritability, all of that is unnecessary and, and really addressable by dietary changes. So in chapter four, as you mentioned of the new book, the food chart, you know, really you'll see how different the foods are that you should be eating during the luteal phase. You've got to factor in your slightly higher metabolism. So you want to be eating a lot more slow burning carbohydrates like sweet potatoes for breakfast, right? There's recipes in the book that will really be very uh, surprising, I think, to you of like what you should be eating in that phase, because you know you think, gee, I'm bloated. I just want like to drink a green juice. Don't drink a green juice. <laughs> um, you know, so you want to be um, really looking at how can you use food strategically to help with your blood sugar stability, which is going to instantly make your mood problems evaporate. Right? Um, what you're going to be using cooked leafy green vegetables to help increase insoluble and soluble fiber, but also to decrease bloating. Whereas the raw veggies, because your your digestive uh, energy slows down due to the introduction of progesterone, raw vegetables at this time can make you more bloated. So don't have a salad, have some cooked broccoli (laughs) or cooked kale or something else, and you'll still get your veg, but you won't be adding to your bloat. and then you know you're going to be using um, good quality um, fatty uh, fatty acids like avocados to keep your energy stable and to help and and other things like chickpeas and legumes that are going to help your body make more progesterone, right? So these things all done in combination really can start to cycle over cycle evaporate your PMS symptoms. I mean, it, it really should only take a few cycles to do it to dial it in. That's amazing, isn't it? So people can actually sort that out quite quickly. Um, <clears throat> really helpful. And then let's, let's also mention, because here, I know you run your company based around um, based around the infradian rhythm. And you bet. It, it was, I do yeah. everything. You know, and do that's everything. the fun thing about <laughs> I, I give you my, like like secret strategies in this, in this new book, every chart, every chapter, there's a chart. There's a food chart in chapter four, the workout chart in chapter five the productivity chart in chapter six, the work, like if you're at work, how do you do this at work in chapter seven, 
The sex and relationships chart is in chapter eight because you've got to biohack your orgasms because 67% of women are sexually unsatisfied and that's because they don't understand the infradian effect on their sexual response. And then chapter nine is like, if you're a mom, how do you do motherhood and not burn yourself out? That's the chart uh, in chapter nine. So the, there's a chart that I, this, you, I, of course, your infradian rhythm runs everything. So it has to touch every aspect of your life. And again, men do this too, right? They, they sync with their hormonal cycle and it affects the way they do every aspect of their life. And we should just do the same, but for our unique biological needs, right? So for work, I mean, it's fantastic. You know, it's a fantastic strategy because you can get so much more done with less stress by leaning into what you are naturally inclined to do really well at that particular time. So for example, um, during the ovulation phase, that's, that special surge of estrogen that you get hyper-stimulates the verbal and social centers of the brain. So it would be only logical to front load as many activities as you can during that time that leverage your speaking and socializing, right? So presentations, negotiations, interviews, uh, networking events, I don't know, anything that you can do with your speaking and socializing, right? Uh, and in the luteal phase, because you have the introduction of progesterone for the only time in the cycle, but it's 10 to, 12, 10 to 14 days long, um, this has a very calming and focusing effect on your brain chemistry. So you can prioritize all your deep work and completing tasks and it's really fun and pleasurable and you just feel like you're flying through your to-do list without any stress, right? As opposed to other times of the month where you feel like you're just slogging through it and pushing yourself. It doesn't have to be a fight. It can be a flow, right? A lot of your success gurus, you know, Tony Robbins being probably the most famous one, talks a lot about this idea of structuring your routines, right? Your time management, your self-care, such that you can generate constantly a peak flow state for your performance, right? That's the dream, that's the goal. The problem is that those routines being re repeated every 24 hours inherently mean that they're only gonna optimize for men. Yeah. Your routines must change four times a month in order for you to achieve your peak flow state. And then once you do, it's really incredible how much you can get done uh, in, in what feels like an easier way. Uh, it's how I certainly get everything done. And yes, I do run the company that way. So basically what that looks like is I plan, for example, if I'm going to plan a strategic planning meeting with my team, I plan it during my follicular phase, which is when it's optimal for me to do brainstorming. But then I bank on the fact that I'll have team members in different phases of their cycle. And we don't wear name tags announcing which phase we're in. We just <laughs> are aware of that for ourselves, right? And then um, we, you know, I'll have all these ideas, but someone who's in their luteal or menstrual phase will give me some pushback and say that there's too many projects. What can we narrow focus on? What can we prioritize? And the tension between everybody's different proclivities for their phase, we always end up with the best strategic plan out of those meetings, right? So it's really just about being aware of where you're at and applying that perspective to what you're working on uh, so that you can optimize your performance and productivity. Yeah, and isn't that wonderful because everybody wins. 
don't they? Everyone wins, you get enhanced productivity. I mean, I, when I worked as a lawyer, pushing through those nights and weekends, it was definitely a very male-driven environment. Um, but hey, burnt out as I did, and no surprise there. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. Have we? Have I missed anything here? Because I really wanted to touch on all of the most important points. Is there anything else that's related to the book or your work that you want to share here, Elisa? Oh, no. I mean, I think we talked about so many things. And of course, there's, I mean, the book is nearly 400 or I think it's over 400 pages. So there's a lot to dive into. <laughs> so, you know, get the book if you're intrigued by this notion of the infradian rhythm. Um, you can buy it wherever it's published in the UK. So you can pick it up locally. Um, and, uh, you can go to in the to get some really free infradian rhythm goodies there with purchase. Um, if you're having struggles with your hormones in any way, please come to flowliving.com. We are a global healthcare, hormonal healthcare platform for women. Um, and you know, you can, if you're really, really eager to start the cycle syncing method, you can do that with us and get recipes, meal plans, grocery lists workout videos all tailored to each phase of your cycle by going to cyclesyncingmembership.com and uh and then you can find me on social at flow living and at elisa.vd so stay connected you know get support we're here for you we just want to make you feel the way you're supposed to feel in your female body that's amazing. And it's so wonderful to actually see it in action with you. And, and I've been using this on myself recently and with, to great results. I'm almost barely visible here now. I don't know where the light has gone. <laughs> um, but I will link to everything that we have spoken about there in the show notes so people can go and find it. They can download the transcript on my website as well so they can go in and they don't have to take notes. They can go and actually review everything that we've spoken about. Thank you so very much for coming on the show today. It's been absolutely wonderful to interview you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you thank you for having I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. As always, all of the show notes are over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcasts. Hopefully you're enjoying this and the current series that we've been doing on women's health, including many of the other guests on mindset and motivation. I know that I have just learned so much over the last few months. If you're enjoying the show, can I ask a big favor? Please share the podcast with anyone else you may think it helps and help us get the message out there. And also just share that you're listening um, on any social platforms that you're using. Tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster and I'll reshare it. It just really helps to maximize the reach that we have when we bring on these top guests so that more people can listen and actually benefit from their wisdom. So if you can do that, I will be enormously grateful and know that you will be helping so many people in the process. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.